Chapter twenty three of El Dorado by Baroness Orzy. Read for LibriVox.org by Karen Savage in September two thousand and seven. Chapter twenty three. The Overwhelming Odds. At half past ten that same evening, Blakeney, still clad in a workman's tattered clothes, his feet bare so that he could tread the streets unheard, turned into the Rue de la Croix Blanche. The porte cochere of the house where Armand lodged had been left on the latch. Not a soul was in sight. Peering cautiously round, he slipped into the house. On the ledge of the window, immediately on his left when he entered, a candle was left burning, and beside it there was a scrap of paper with the initials S.P., roughly traced in pencil. No one challenged him as he noiselessly glided past it, and up the narrow stairs that led to the upper floor. Here, too, on the second landing, the door on the right had been left on the latch. He pushed it open and entered. As is usual, even in the meanest lodgings in Paris houses, a small antechamber gave between the front door and the main room. When Percy entered, the antechamber was unlighted, but the door into the inner room beyond was ajar. Blakeney approached it with noiseless tread, and gently pushed it open. That very instant he knew that the game was up. He heard the footsteps closing up behind him, saw Armand, deathly pale, leaning against the wall in the room in front of him, and Chauvelin and Heron standing guard over him. The next moment the room and the antechamber were literally alive with soldiers, twenty of them to arrest one man. It was characteristic of that man, that when hands were laid on him from every side, he threw back his head and laughed, laughed mirthfully, light-heartedly, and the first words that escaped his lips were, "'Well, I'm demmed!' "'The odds are against you, Sir Percy,' said Chauvelin to him in English, whilst Heron at the further end of the room was growling like a contented beast. "'By the Lord, sir,' said Percy, with perfect sang-froid, "'I do believe that for the moment they are.' "'Have done, my men, have done,' he added, turning good-humouredly to the soldiers round him. "'I never fight against overwhelming odds. Twenty to one, eh? I could lay four of you out easily enough, perhaps even six. But what then?' But a kind of savage lust seemed to have rendered these men temporarily mad, and they were being egged on by a heron the mysterious Englishman about whom so many eerie tales were told. Well, he had supernatural powers, and twenty to one might be nothing to him if the devil was on his side. Therefore a blow on his forearm with the butt-end of a bayonet was useful for disabling his right hand, and soon the left arm with the dislocated shoulder hung limp by his side. Then he was bound with cords. The vein of luck had given out. The gambler had staked more than usual, and had lost. But he knew how to lose just as he had always known how to win. "'Those demmed brutes are trussing me like a fowl,' he murmured, with irrepressible gaiety at the last. Then the wrench on his bruised arms, as they were pulled roughly back by the cords, caused the veil of unconsciousness to gather over his eyes. "'And Jean was safe, Armand!' he shouted with a last desperate effort. "'Those devils have lied to you and tricked you into this. Since yesterday she is out of prison, in the house, you know.' After that— he lost consciousness. And this occurred on Tuesday, January 21st, in the year 1794, or, in accordance with the new calendar, on the second Bluvios, year two of the Republic. It is chronicled in the Moniteur of the third Bluvios that, on the previous evening, at half-past ten of the clock, the Englishman known as the Scarlet Pimpernel, who for three years has conspired against the safety of the Republic, was arrested through the patriotic exertions of citizen Chauvelin, and conveyed to the Conciergerie, where he now lies, sick but closely guarded. Long live the Republic! 
End of chapter 23